Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In previous programs, I've referred to the vicious, ruthless, sadistic violence wrought by Islamist terrorists against Christians, specifically, in Eastern Africa, Western Africa, in the form of the gangs, the Islamist terror organizations, Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram, and so forth. But regardless of the lies that so many in the West believe, which are foisted upon those in the West by individuals in the West, that Islam is a religion of peace and so forth, and that it is just a few bad eggs. It is just an occasional anomaly, there are some, yes, violent elements, militants, you know, fundamentalists, radicals, extremists, who have hijacked Islam, who have perverted Islam. Yes, these lies have been perpetrated by the likes of the George W. Bush administration. The William Jefferson Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Albert Arnold Gore Jr. administration prior to that. And of course, since the George W. Bush administration, Barack Hussein Obama, Joseph Biden administration. And those lies were not truly rolled back or strongly and strenuously and persuasively opposed during the Donald Trump administration, Donald Trump-Mike Pence administration. And, of course, they continue to be foisted upon the American people by the Joseph Biden-Kamala Harris Administration. But these lies have been <laughs> pervasively put upon Westerners throughout all of former Christendom, throughout all of the Western nations, and then some, throughout Canada to our north, throughout the UK, Great Britain, throughout Europe, from Scandinavia all the way to the southernmost tip of Greece, these lies are perpetrated. And they are even perpetrated in Israel. But the reality, the truth, the stark reality is that Islam was never 
a great religion. There's only one of those, and that's Christianity. But Islam, from its inception, its foundation, it was founded to be evil and to do evil. It was founded to overthrow Christianity and Jewry violently. Its God, Allah, is a pseudonym for Satan. Its one prophet, Muhammad, was a vicious, ruthless, child-raping, bloodthirsty terrorist. And his example is merely being followed. His instructions and his example are being followed to a T by the Islamist terrorists. The exception to the rule, the anomaly, is those in Islam, those Muslims, who do not embrace this. Amazing. That they should buy into Islam while they are in such complete, utter, total denial of what Islam is. But in the previous program, I mentioned about the plight of one Christian man in Pakistan, one of the many nations that are under Islamist regime. In the case of Pakistan, as you find in any number of such places, is that the Islamist regime is not exactly all-powerful within that country, that nation. And that there is a certain Wild West factor in which Islamists outside of the regime are able to engage in all manner of violence other than the violence perpetrated by the regime in competition with the regime. You find this in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Iran, but in Iran, very little of it. Why? Because the regime in Iran is so powerful. So you find it only on the fringes of Iran. (laughs) Wherever you find Islam, having a stranglehold on a country, on a nation, you will find rampant violence widespread, unchecked violence, unless unless there is a regime that is so powerful that it ruthlessly controls the population. A couple cases in point being Iraq under the exceedingly wicked, despotic, tyrannical 
dictator who was deposed by the United States of America, Saddam Hussein, and his exceedingly evil sons who committed such monstrous crimes. They were chips off the old block of Saddam. The United States of America deposed that family terror regime. But as evil as that regime was, as utterly unchecked as their power to destroy was within their nation, they still restrained an enormous amount of evil from Islamists. By dint of their ruthlessness, their viciousness, their military power. So that deposing them actually resulted in vastly greater volume of violence and with it being released unchecked, uncontrolled violence against Christians and Jews, against this minority population of Christians and Jews who had not been successfully targeted prior to that. But, oh, George W. and his administration, what great work they did. And, of course, (laughs) via mouthpieces like Condi Rice, Condoleezza Rice, she informed us, you know, indoctrinated us that Islam is a religion of peace, a great religion of peace that has been perverted and hijacked by these evil ones and other lies. But you find the same thing in Egypt. You find the same thing in one place after another that absent a strongman dictator ruthlessly controlling the Islamist factions that terror just spreads like wildfire. Even in a place with as evil a leader as Libya. Muammar Gaddafi, under Gaddafi, as terrible as he was, it wasn't nearly as terrible as it was following his being deposed. It has been absolute nightmare since then. But, again, the West has done Such great work. We've just done such great work in these regards. But back to Pakistan. Now, most of the accounts that I'm going to give are from Lahore, Pakistan. Not all, but most. The case that I mentioned concerning Nadim Samson, 
who was arrested and tortured brutally for three days by the police in a torture cell to extract a confession of the trumped-up, contrived charge of blasphemy. He's been held now for going on four years, facing a death penalty for blasphemy that was the invention of a Muslim police informant who passed himself off as a Christian, who was motivated by greed, is related to the owner of the home that Nadim leased. Nadim was leaving. Nadim was entitled to his deposit. This man would have none of that. And he found his ID card, a copy of it, and created a Facebook account. Oh, social media is so wonderful, isn't it? Created a fake Facebook account. And then he engaged in blasphemy against the false prophet Muhammad in the guise of it being this Christian man. And promptly reported it to the police, and the police arrested him and tortured him in a torture cell for three days, contrary to instructions from <laughs> higher ups. And Nadim Samson is at the mercy of this Islamist regime. But it is only one of many such cases. They destroyed all of his belongings. The police did. The police and the accusers drug him out and drug all of his possessions out and burned them, those that they didn't take to the police station. I remember long ago, long ago, this one precious young woman who was accused by other women, whatever, in the town where she was, and who was attacked and gang raped, and then was accused of blasphemy and imprisoned. And last I knew, she was still in prison facing the death sentence for blasphemy, so-called. A precious, young, Christian woman in this wonderful land of Pakistan, which, of course, has their national airlines, you know, having great business with the United States of America and so forth. Such a civilized land. But elsewhere in Lahore, 
there have been multiple accusations against Christian nurses in the last few months. The first was charge of blasphemy brought against a nurse named Tabitha from Karachi. After that, charges of blasphemy against nurses Maryam Lal and Newish Uroj from Faisalabad. And most recently, three nurses at one hospital, their names Sakina Bibi, Jessica Kuram, and Teresa Eric. All of these nurses, Christians, all accused of blasphemy by Muslim nurses who hate them because they're Christians. This does not fit the narrative, you know? (laughs) Does not fit the narrative that, oh, Islam is being discriminated against. No. Islam discriminates against. Islam is the aggressor. Islam is inherently evil, inherently violently evil. You don't have to believe that. (laughs) But it's true. Another case in Lahore. A precious young woman, 16 years of age, a 16-year-old girl, was working with her mother cleaning homes, and as they returned home, they were attacked by a group of people, meaning a group of men. And the men kidnapped the daughter, drug her off, tortured her, took her away, and then they did a false, trumped-up, forced marriage. Fake certificate, fake individual performing it, who is wanted for many offenses, who is their equivalent of a felon. But the police took bribes. And they released the evil ones, and they've allowed her to keep this girl that they kidnapped and raped. They know that they have previously kidnapped other girls and sold them into slavery, which is what they intend to do with this one, but they have not done anything about it. The authorities, the police, are complicit, as they were complicit in seizing Nadim Samson, and torturing him. What a civilized place. One young man daily comes to the house of the family of the girl and threatens them with a gun, demanding that they stop talking to the anybody they can, media, <laughs> attempting to obtain the release of their daughter.
Meanwhile, also in Lahore, a girl half the age of the 16-year-old girl that was kidnapped is kidnapped. And these were this month in May. All right? An eight-year-old girl who was working with her parents in the fields, she and her younger brother Not younger than her, younger than others in their family. He's 10. She's 8. They went to get water. And they were attacked by a 22-year-old man who beat the little boy, drugged the girl off, the 8-year-old girl, and brutally raped her and attempted to murder her. Such that she nearly died. When the young boy made it back to his parents, and they went and searched for her and found her, they took her to hospital emergency, where doctors refused to provide medical treatment to her. You heard that right. Whether you choose to believe it is another matter. You heard it right. Eight-year-old girl viciously, brutally raped by a 22-year-old man who attempted to murder her and hospital staff refused to treat her. However, it was covered by the media. The local police got involved. You know, those good guys. And she was finally very belatedly given medical assistance. And there was much evidence of violence against her all across her body. That proved that this 22-year-old Muslim man attempted to murder this 8-year-old Christian girl in addition to brutally raping her. The doctor who is treating her informed the parents that the girl's in critical condition when she came to the hospital and that she could have expired. There has been a continuous increase in rape, kidnapping, forced conversions, forced marriages of young Christian girls. Young Christian girls, underage, minors, children, young children. Oh, but that is a perversion of Islam. Is it really? 
This is exactly textbook Muhammad. With his taking, raping, marrying a nine-year-old girl. Additionally, in Peshawar, a man with the same first name as Nadim Samson, but his name is Nadim Joseph, he made a deadly mistake. He bought a house in a Muslim area. He and his wife and mother-in-law and children moved in. And they were attacked by neighbors who murdered him and attempted to murder other family members who came to his assistance. And all the other neighbors hearing gunfire shut their doors. That's one thing, but refused to call emergency services. You know, it reminds me of the case long, long, long ago. Way back when I was a little boy, a case in Chicago of a young woman being viciously raped and then murdered outside of apartment complexes. And multitudes of neighbors heard her screams, none of them even so much as called the police. Oh, they didn't want to get involved. That wasn't in Pakistan. That was in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago of decades and decades and decades and decades ago, back before it was so heavily plagued by black gang violence. But before I continue, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas. And this is after all is said and done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks only to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy, that is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. Oh, wonderful Canada. I will talk about when (laughs) I have a chance here. Canada, Canada. Land of the North. Land of the free. Much more enlightened, some might think, than the United States of America. Peaceful, pacifist, so tolerant. But the tolerance is selective, very selective. It just so happens that with reference to Pakistan, Pakistani Christians, who are fleeing Pakistan 
because of being under the threat of being accused of blasphemy. are being refused asylum in Canada, being returned, deported, back to Pakistan. This is particularly curious because there is an automatic blanket amnesty given to the Islamist sect known as the Ahmadi. That's right. Any individual identifying themselves as being Ahmadi, any of them, that's all they have to do, claim they are Ahmadi, and they receive blanket amnesty, automatic, unquestioned amnesty from Canada. But Christians are being deported back to Pakistan. Oh, but Canada is so enlightened, so sophisticated. Former Christian nation. Former. Emphasis on former Christian nation. It is a gateway, a doorway for Islamist terrorists into the United States of America. It, like the European Union, the continent, and Britain, have been absolutely wide open to take over by Islam, have welcomed it, embraced it with open arms. Former Christian Canada, former Christian Great Britain, former Christian Europe have become Islamist territory, have been Islamized. So that the efforts, the exceedingly courageous, heroic efforts of the likes of Jan Sobieski, king of Poland, at Vienna, delivering Vienna, from utter, total destruction. By the Ottoman Empire, Muslim whores. The leader of the hordes giving the order to slaughter 30 thousand Christian captives they had taken while the battle raged, unbeknownst to the king of Poland. The heroic, self-sacrificial efforts of Charles Martel Charles the Hammer of France at the Battle of Tours, turning back the vast Muslim hordes. Time and again, Europe was saved from utter domination, utter destruction 
by this religion of peace. But the brilliant, intellectual, enlightened, contemporary leaders have welcomed the Islamist overthrow of former Christendom. It is indescribable. The insanity of it is absolutely unimaginable. But it's true in the United States of America, too. Former CIA director, John Brennan, who converted to Islam while he was in the Mideast and went on to become CIA director the promotion of Islam in the United States military the embracing of Islamist Sharia law, which overthrows Christian law. The embrace of it, the promotion of it by so many political leaders. And the media, by and large, it's just insane. Now, for many of them, there is a method to their madness. They know what's going on. They know what they're doing. But many of them are just so stupendously blind, ignorant, stupid, and corrupt that they will go along and willingly be used to bring about such evil. I've mentioned before a couple times about these so-called anti-conversion laws, anti-Christian conversion laws in India. Being crafted by, used by, exploited by what are termed, again, Hindu radical Hindu extremist, Hindu militant, Hindu nationalist groups such as the BJP political party. I'm undoubtedly going to mispronounce it, but Bharatiya Janata Party, which controls many states in India. These anti-Christian conversion laws are being used to prevent Christian evangelization, Christian evangelizing, Christian church growth.
It's not enough. With these people, it's not enough to have 650, 700 million Hindus. That's not enough, (laughs) you know, right? Vastly, 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 vastly more than the population of the United States of America. That's not enough. They need to see to it that there are no Christians. Of course, there are also Muslims (laughs) in India. But in India, they're a minority. Compared to Hinduism and all the other things they have, Jainism and so forth. But wherever you look, whether it happens to be Central Asia, Far East Asia, Africa, Chiapas, Mexico, Venezuela, Colombia, Cuba, Mindanao, Philippines, back over to Far East Asia. And then from North Korea down through communist China and Mongolia down to Vietnam, Laos, Burma, Myanmar. And on through Indonesia, Malaysia. And all the way over across to the Middle East, through Central Asia, and on to Africa, you find this theme, anti-Christian theme, vicious, ruthless oppression, persecution of Christianity. In North Korea, it is a death sentence to be a Christian, period. Regardless what some foolish (laughs) so-called ministries say to the contrary. It doesn't require more than that. If you own a Bible, that is death, a death sentence. If you have any Christian scriptures, that is a death sentence. And so forth. In communist China, it's not quite that severe to that extent. But if you have any role, no matter how tiny, no matter how tiny, if you look after babies in a nursery at a church, You can expect to be seized, tried with a kangaroo court, brutalized, and imprisoned in a dungeon of a prison for a dozen years for looking after babies in a nursery, for looking after toddlers. for taking care of 
those that are slightly older, four, five, six years of age. (laughs) This from this so powerful, so rich nation of communist China. Oh, but it's capitalist, and all that the leaders want is peace and prosperity. They just want to get along, to go along, to get along, to go along. No. But wherever you look, east to west, vicious, ruthless, brutal persecution of Christianity. And it is soon coming to a place near you, in Europe, in Britain, in the United States of America, in Canada, and so forth. Australia and what have you. Yes. Oh, but such things can't be. Such things are. It is the precursor. It's been so long since I've been to a movie theater, but the way they used to be way back in the day is before the feature was shown, there would be some brief something or other, some entertainments, cartoons, Newsreels, you know, different things. And with concerts, there typically is an advance group to warm up the crowd before the main attraction arrives. So too here. We're being warmed up. We're being prepared for what's really coming. As terrible as the Islamist scourge is, and it is, as terrible as the communist scourge is, and it is, based on my reading of the Bible, this coming world-enslaving regime will be neither of those. However, like Islam and like communism, it will be totalitarian. It will be a dictatorship. Utterly autocratic. And like them, it will be vicious, ruthless. It will not tolerate competition from Taliban and ISIS and so forth. It will be all-powerful. And it will demand that 
all worship only Satan. It will be fascinating to see how one billion plus Muslims respond. Won't it? Fascinating to see how more than a half billion Hindus respond. Won't it? And Buddhists and Confucianists and Taoists and Jainists be fascinating. Because you see, this regime that is coming is actually a test. It's not the last test, however. But it is the greatest test, trial, tribulation there has ever been as it shall be the worst regime, the biggest, strongest, most powerful, and most terrible regime there has ever been. The only one to enslave the entire earth, the entire world's population. And as I've mentioned before, the most incredible thing is going to be that the last nation to fall, to succumb, to submit, will not be mighty United States of America. No. It will be tiny Israel. That's a fact. That is from the Bible. That is not some man-made idea. But where are we right now? We are in pre-Nazi Germany, so to speak. No, the Soviet Union didn't bury the decadent West. But Satan has, through hook and crook, he has. But it still is not the complete, all-consuming burial that is coming. Something to look forward to. And we, people in the West, under these regimes which, frankly like in Canada, in Great Britain, in the various European nations, in the United States of America, almighty, all-powerful, you know, former soul world superpower, United States of America, these regimes are so powerful against their own populations. But they're not so powerful against what's coming. Nor do they have the moral courage, the moral fortitude, the moral strength 
to oppose, much less to successfully oppose what is coming. No. Not hardly. I've mentioned before that there is a group, like a graduating class, a group of 10 who are called kings, who are going to rise simultaneously. And they will have power over nations. And they will submit that power to one who shall rise after them, shortly after them. And apparently, that one will depose supplant permanently, three of those. But (laughs) that would leave, regardless, it leaves the one supreme leader who answers only to Satan, who is referred to variously as the beast, the Antichrist, and so forth, and then those top-level lieutenants. It apparently will be seven. Now, in the previous program, I mentioned some verses from the passage of Scripture in the book of Jeremiah listed as being chapter 6. I'm revisiting that, chapter 6, and also will share some from chapter 7. God referring to his... (laughs) people and said thus hath the Lord of hosts said Jerusalem this is the city to be visited she is holy oppression in the midst of her as a fountain casteth out her waters so she casteth out her wickedness violence and spoil is heard in her. Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate, a land not inhabited. Now, of course, that has no relevance for we in the West, right? After all, this was only God's chosen place on earth to put his name, his glory. And he destroyed it by the hand of terrible heathens, terrible pagans who violently destroyed it and the people therein. Everyone is given to covetousness. From the prophet even to the priest, everyone dealeth falsely, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Sodomite pride. They're so proud. No. But, They said, we will not hearken. 
But God said, Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, a people cometh from the north country, and a great nation shall be raised from the sides of the earth. But what did he say of these people in Jerusalem or us? They are all corruptors. Reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord hath rejected them. And he rejected them because they rejected him. Because his people rejected him. And so we in the West, we have rejected God, rejected Christ, and we shall reap the rewards for that. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.